Welcome back to the podcast, folks. This is episode five of the spring 2021 season. There'll be one more episode after this, and then we'll be off until uh, October when I'll be back with another six episodes. While you're listening to this, I want you to uh, keep a, keep your attention on this idea of sharing and, and working for accessibility. You know, one of the things that I'm asking people to do is to support the podcast by uh, sending a few bucks in to either buy me a coffee via PayPal or uh, through eTransfer if you're in Canada to provide transcripts for those people who otherwise would not be able to partake in this podcast. So think about what you've listened to. Think about the episodes that you've enjoyed. And imagine if you knew that this was out there and people were telling you about it, but you couldn't access it, right? And I think this is why this responsibility to make accessible these different things is important, right? And especially when you listen to this episode where Maria and I talk about, uh, you know, in, in their particular case, their parents who are deaf and accessibility in general, um, you know, think about that. I think it's important for us all to pay attention to it. All right. So do me a favor, hit the pause button, go use the links in the podcast show notes and uh, and support the podcast. All right. We are most of the way done and we are uh, just over a third funded. So, you know, there's a way to go still. So I appreciate all the support. And for those folks who are supporting already, I super appreciate that too. All right. Have a great day. the Hermit's Net podcast. I'm here today with Maria Minnis. I uh, came across Maria and their work on Instagram uh, not too long ago, where they were doing a very interesting uh, run through on anti-racism and the tarot, uh, drawing uh, inspiration from the Trump cards to talk about uh, issues around racism. And so I thought, well, this is a wonderful person to have a conversation with, uh, because I was really inspired by their work. So, but for those who don't know you, Maria, who are you? What, what what are you about? What are you doing these days? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so my name is Maria Minnis, um, and I am a writer and tarot reader. And I focus my work around everyday magic and holographic thinking. I just wrapped up my anti-racism with the tarot blog series that you mentioned. Um, and I'm currently thinking about where it will evolve from here. Cool. Awesome. Um, so... Tell me, tell me about holographic thinking, because that's, I could make assumptions about that, but I'm curious what that means for you. What's, what do you think about that stuff? Yeah, I think sometimes the pace of life sometimes um, can push us to um, view ourselves in the worlds around us, um, in which we ha- inhabit to be, um, to view them like as from one angle and holographic thinking says, well, what if you viewed this one thing and shined different levels of light on it? What would that look like? And what would the shadows look like? What does that mean? And it's just basically, um, I use the term holographic thinking to just um, encourage people to think about things from multiple perspectives, because I think that the capitalist pace of production often encourages us to, you know, 
take things as they seem to be and move on because there's no time to sit and sort of analyze. Um, but I do think that there is space for us to envision our world to be as it is and what it could be. Yeah, I think that, you know, being able to, I don't know, digest what's going on, look at it, think out about it, feel what's going on. I think it's so important, you know, and yeah, like you said, I think it's, it's tough to, it's tough to find time for that. You know, I mean, it's, it's super easy to be like, well, I got to go to work and then maybe you, you have kids or maybe you whatever. And, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, and another day and another day and another day. Yeah. And it's like, huh, what was that thing I like to think about? What was I going to look at? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I just um, started this silly little personal project where I'm just writing like as many things about myself as possible um, because I realized that I was interacting with the world in like a single faceted way and that I was also viewing myself that way. And so I'm like in this period where I'm like super introspective in analyzing myself from different angles. And in turn, it's helped me um, visualize the world around me and from different angles, which in turn leads to greater empathy for, you know, myself and others. So I don't think that there is anything wrong with being willing to try to see things from different angles and sort of deduct your own meaning from that. Mm -hmm. So tell me, is there, is there an angle that you've discovered about yourself that surprised you? Are there, are there angles that weren't what you expected, you know, like what, or, or, you know, what, what does that look like? I guess is kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, it it involves a lot of um, reviewing the stories that I've told myself um, over and over and over again for years. Um, I'll take a very simple example. I've always said that I was an introvert because I I like my quiet time and, you know, I could spend all day by myself and totally be fine. Um, But in sort of analyzing myself, I realized, you know, maybe I'm an extroverted introvert and maybe my whole I'm an introvert thing is my own personal like uh, shield against putting myself out there. Um, And so before I would have just said, oh, I'm introverted. I'm shy. I don't interact with a lot of people. And that's just the way it is. And now that I've changed my perspective on that, I can envision a future in which um, you know, after all of this pandemic stuff is over, where I step out of my shell and, you know, go out into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you're talking about for me, I use the phrase um, identity magic. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, and so like a lot of the magic that I do around myself these days is predominantly what I call identity magic, which is, you know, starts from starts from a, a process probably similar in some ways to what you're talking about, right? Where it's like, um, okay, well, who, what do I need to do? What do I, what do I presume? What's the pattern? What's my history around this? And what would be more helpful? What would be more holistic or fulfilling? You know, mm-hmm. what might be more useful? And then what can I do to, uh, you know, embody that change, right? Through ritual, magic, you know, actions, you know, it's usually a multi-level kind of thing to work on those things. So 
Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that term identity magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think that the, the, one of the challenges is that we often identify, like you say, uh, you know, as, as an introvert or as this or as that, or as something else. And, you know, those identifications um, might be really useful, right? They're, they're probably true on some level or there's something true in them. But I think it's really important to sort of stay open to, to moving beyond those and looking at them, you know, I kind of like to raise an eyebrow at them and be like, huh, am I really that way? Where's the evidence? What's going on? Show me the proof here, Andrew, you know? Yeah, show me the proof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, and in this, in this conversation, certainly I'm looking at it for myself, right? Like I don't walk around the world and people tell me, you know, hey, I'm an introvert. I'm not like, yeah, yeah, prove it to me. I'm like, no, no, that's not like that, <laughs> but like as a point of reflection, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think, I think the world could use a little bit more reflection. I think it would be good for all of us. Mm-hmm. For sure. So tell me, tell me about, or tell, tell our lovely listeners um, about the, uh, the, how you, how you started this series on uh, anti-racism and the tarot. You know, where did that, I mean, it, now that it exists, I'm like, yeah, of course that should have always existed. What a great resource, but like a lot of things that should always exist, it didn't exist. And so I'm curious, uh, what sparked that for you? How did you get started in that direction? And you know, that kind of idea. Yeah, so it first came to me in a dream, as many things do, and I um, I was really initially resistant to the idea. Um, it was 2018, and the year before, I had I went to the um, counter protest in Charlottesville in 2017, and I was just like, you know, this whole you know, I'll support the movement financially and you know, from my own you know corner of the world because I was pretty deeply traumatized by that experience and yet this dream happened and it kept happening and of course when spirit or whatever you call it whispers if you don't listen sometimes it turns into you know shouting and then like it gets really loud like amplified and so I know how that I know where that road leads and so I was like okay I get the message Um, and so I initially envisioned it as a zine and I spent just about a whole summer writing um, what is now the blog series. Um, And then I kept putting it off because I was shy about putting myself out there, particularly because I was scared of like trolls and the like, whatever you can find on the internet. Um, And um, then fast forward, the pandemic hit and I was just like, oh gosh, I can't, I can't care about this right now in the way that I'm caring for it. Um, And then after, once things sort of started um, getting into new pandemic groove, um, some level of normalcy, I decided to release it as a blog series um, because I just thought that would be the most accessible way to get this information out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how did you, because I hear you about this, the, you know, I, I, Number one, yeah, spirit, right? Like taps you on the shoulder, and then it, then it pats you on the back, and then it like shakes you, and then you know certainly there can be an escalation around that stuff if we're not moving forward with that. And I think that's, you know, I think that's happens to a lot of people, right? 
Um, yeah, totally. But I'm curious about how you, um, you know, because because the, the piece about being afraid of being trolled for it, right? Or you yeah. know, whatever. How did you how did you face that? Like, how, where, you know, where did you find the courage? What did you do around that? How did you how did you sort of come to move past that holding you back? You know. I wish I had a really great answer for you. Uh, it was sort of like full energy that I had one morning. I was like, you know what? Just do it. Just do it. See what happens. I didn't check my emails or messages for like uh, quite a while um, out of fear. And yeah, eventually I started realizing, oh, other people in my community and beyond are finding this useful. Why not continue? Um, and so I, instead of just, you know, rehashing the same things that I wrote um, for the zine, I sort of developed it into, um, I developed the blog series to be more of a resource to like, sort of be like a jumping pad. Like, here's some basic information. Here's um, some other resources you can look to, to learn about this aspect. And also here's some reflection questions. And hey, if you want to donate to a cause, here's a cause that I'm bringing up this week that you might be interested in and wanting to support. Um, and so it, it became a more complex resource. And I'm really grateful for that. And I think because I um, took the focus of involving the reader as in like, hey, what's your perspective? Hey, reflect on this thing. Um, I felt more comfortable bringing my work into the world because it was less me telling people, hey, this is what this card means, so you should do X. And it was more like, hey, create your own experience around this. Think about untangling racism within yourself, within your relationships and, and the community in which you live. Um, and once I realized Another thing that helped me get over that sort of fear of mean people on the internet is knowing that um, the way things can ripple. So, you know, one person would share one thing and then some other person from across the world would be like, oh, this is really helpful. And then I realized, you know what, the benefit of this is greater than my fear of being trolled. And so I was able to see the whole series through. It's amazing. Yeah, I really like, um, I'm, I really encourage, first of all, everybody who's listening to go and check it out. We'll share where you can find it and all that stuff at the end, right? Um, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting about it or really helpful about it is, you know, um, for me in reading them, it was really an invitation, you know? Mm. It was an invitation to, to be like, hey, here's an, here's an inroad to looking at these things, right? And I think that, you know, you know, maybe, maybe someday will, will somebody, maybe you, maybe whoever will write a, a post or maybe somebody's already written it, in which case send me a link. I'd love to check it out. Right. But like, maybe somebody will write a post where it's like, if you're, if you're exploring racism and this card, card comes up, this is the kind of racism that it talks about. Right. Or this is the experience around it. And, and that might be interesting, but I think that, the the invitation to examine right like i'm thinking about maybe the the piece about death right you know and so you you talk about how the death card has a relationship to sex you know and and for folks who don't know about that go and go and look that up but um 
you know, and so let's have a conversation about sex and then sex workers and pleasure and, you know, who we value and how we value mm-hmm. and the ways in which that stuff um, reveals and, and sort of underscores the the racism in our culture, right? In our systems and all those things. And so I really, I really thought that that made it really quite accessible for people, you know? Good, good. Which is I helpful, am you know? so... Sorry for interrupting. My heart is just so, my heart is just so big hearing that because I, in all of my work, I never want people to think that I am the source of truth or whatever. You know, I think there are as many perspectives to the tarot as there have been people alive, right? Um, Everyone's got their own take, their own experiences, their own backgrounds. And I'm not the person to tell you what the high priestess means in your anti-racism work, but I can take one perspective of the high priestess, one perspective that I have seen within the high priestess. And, you know, let's, let's talk about what this brings up for us. Um, Because I, I, I just think that tarot is an evolving tool. um, And as we continue to live and, go through our lives, we our, our interpretations of tarot evolve. And I think that's healthy. I think anyone who's telling anyone this is exactly the meaning for this card and this is the way you should, you know, act upon it, I I I shy away from those people because I really think that the tarot is a great analog, but it's not um it, it's not prescriptive and it's not and if you do perceive it as prescriptive, it can't possibly be the same way for everyone. Yeah, I, you know, because I have a store, right? And, you know, I mean, not during COVID so much, but during other times, I'll be in the store and somebody will come and be like, Andrew, what is what is the death card about? And I'm like, you know, and and there was a period of time, and, and it's a valid question, right? But like, yeah. there's a time where I would be like, well blah, 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 and this, and that, and like, you know, 10 other things, right? You know, or whatever, right? And, and these days, I tend to, I tend to be like, I don't know, I have no idea what it means. And they're like, what? What what does that mean? And I'm like, look, if you're going to ask me, what is the terror? What does the the death card mean in a general sense? I'm going to sit here and talk to you for like two hours. We're going to have this like, massive conversation that's going to be wide ranging and scoping of the history of tarot, the, the sort of, you know, what I see is like the, the three pillars of tarot, you know, uh, Marseilles, esotericism and contemporary rider weight stuff, you know, and what it means in those different contexts and some history and some cultural stuff. And, you know, and on and on and on we go. Right. I'm like, but, but if I'm going to sit down with somebody and do a reading, right. And I, and they have a specific question, about their actual life at a specific time and place. And this card comes up in relationship to that, then I'll tell you exactly what it means, you know, because I think that that the meaning exists at the intersection of those things. And, you know, I don't think that the cards don't mean anything other than that, but I think that they're just so broad that it's, that that it's hard to kind of articulate it in a short answer, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's all about context, right? You know, and and there's no way in the world that all of our contexts or circumstances can be 
same or completely linear in some sort of way that is um, some sort of thread that runs through every single person. And I think that's, you know, that's a lot to expect with the tarot, but because, but that's the best thing about it is that it's not, you know, this prescriptive linear tool. It's, you know, it's not just the reader telling you exactly what this means, but it's also how you process that information, how you process what you see on the card, how you process what your tarot reader is telling you, how do you process that information and what is your response? What is your like physical or mental or emotional response to it? You know, and that's, you know, bringing a holographic perspective to it, right? You know, it's not just here's the information, go run with it. It's also, how do I feel about this? You know, what does it mean for me? Um, and, you know, the less personal tarot gets, I think, and when I mean personal, I don't mean just for the self. I mean also tarot for the community or our relationships. But when tarot becomes this thing like curriculum um, that is that is portrayed as being fixed, I think that's when tarot becomes less of a powerful tool for us mm. to sort of analyze ourselves in our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I go back and forth about that idea, you know? Yeah. Personally. Um, and, and I think that, so even, even though I think that in the, in the interaction between people, right. In the interaction around a reading, I think that we're on the exact same page. I wonder if we have a different idea about, tarot and its sort of uh structuredness you know or tarot is sort of an existing thing that that for me is flexible but not open-ended you know and i'm not sure i'm not sure if i'm if i'm just not hearing what you're saying or if i just have a different perspective right you know yeah 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 and like i often i think that you know, when I run into stuff or decks, you know, I look at different tarot decks and stuff. And sometimes I look at them and I'm like, I just don't even understand what's going on with this anymore. You know, it has, it has moved uh, from a position where I can kind of understand the relationship to what I consider kind of the, the core ideas of the card into places where it seems completely arbitrary and at that point does it does it is it still tarot or is it something else right yeah and yeah yeah i was thinking about this last night i was doing a live call and we were looking at a tarot deck and and perhaps if we were if the book had more information about what the artist and the creator thought about it it might, there might be sort of threads that I don't see that, you know, which is always possible, right? Like, I don't think that I know everything about tarot at all, but, but there were so many things in the, in the deck that felt predominantly arbitrary to me that I was okay, like, yeah. I don't, I don't quite understand why this is this way. And so I don't know what I would do with this other than, you know, as, as somebody said, because I really like the artwork on a lot of them. They're like, you know, maybe you should just cut off the borders, cut off the titles and treat it like an Oracle deck. And I'm like, yeah, I can just chuck the cards that I don't, don't dig, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, so I think I sit in between those two like extremes, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there is so much power 
and individual like personal interpretations of the tarot but i also think there's a huge wealth of information and symbolism and um stuff good stuff okay. uh, i could go on and on but i'll just say good stuff that you know comes with collective understanding um of the tarot and collective um symbolism and the stories that you know are associated and myths that are associated with different cards like there's a real history to the tarot and i know what you mean by looking at decks and like this doesn't speak to me at all which you know not to sound like a snob is why I predominantly get decks that are made from other tarot readers. Um, but, you know, I, I love tarot, the art of tarot regardless, but um, it's really important that a deck really speaks to me. And um, yeah, I definitely don't, like it's not prescriptive, but there is something distinct that makes tarot tarot and not, you know, mm -hmm. an art gallery showing or an Oracle deck you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not that there's anything wrong with Oracle decks, you know, I think. Oh it's yeah. Just, I love them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've made several myself. I dig them. Right. Nice. Um, but I think, yeah, that's, that's that, that question of like, um, where, where does it fall down? And especially where does it slide into, um, you know, you use the word prescriptive a number of times, right? I think that one of the things that I find mysterious is is where tarot tarot people people's decks are, are talking about them in a very prescriptive way but when you look at them in the context of you know even tarot over the last 50 years they're real outliers right and so mm -hmm. you know i think that's part of the challenge for me is the the conversations about it and where does that go you know because if if it's it's expected that there'll be a bell curve of of like interpretations right you know right and like there'll be some decks where it's like oh look at this one this is uh you know this one's this one this card in this deck is like you know in the minority of interpretations or you know off to one side mm -hmm. but i think it's when yeah when much of the deck is is sort of off the off the chart to some extent and um and they present it as being prescriptive or authentic or, or authentic is the wrong word. It is authentic for them, but as being like part of the core of tarot and so on, it's like, well, maybe you've just deviated from history here a fair bunch and we'll see what that means or if that continues to, to relate, you know? Yeah, I love thinking about the evolution of tarot as our world changes and evolves. Um, yeah, just looking into, I was just reading a book um, about that included a section about tarot history. And I think there's real value in the structure of tarot. Um, and it, it's a very intentional structure and whether you do major arcana and then jump into the cups or whatever, like each suit has a structure and it's for a purpose, but what's flexible is your interpretation of that. And um, yeah, because that's where the real magic is, right? It's not in the cards. It's not, you know, in the little white book. It's, you know, we are part of the equation. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey folks, I just want to jump in here for a second and 
remind people that the Hermit's Lamp is also a store. So I have an online store and an in-person store in Toronto that sells over 400 tarot decks, 300 kinds of crystals, and incense, incense holders, candles, oils, and all the magical goodies you might want for whatever everything is sourced to the best of my ability to be authentic. And we offer uh, pickup or in-store shopping when it's not COVID in Toronto. And we offer delivery just about anywhere in the world. So do me a favor. Next time you're thinking about stuff, drop by thehermitslamp.com, check it out, see if we've got something you need there, because I always appreciate that support. So I'm curious, having completed your journey through the, the, the Trump cards um, in the context of anti-racism, are there, are there things that you feel are, um, you know, maybe, maybe more structurally or inherently problematic in the structure of the tarot? Because, you know, we're talking about it changing. We're talking about tradition, you know, and I think that, you know, we, we, Hopefully people listening understand that, you know, we live in a, a society and these things come from societies where racism and other biases are just part of the system, right? And that as much as we want to, you know, sort of shake them off, we can't just, you know, if we just make the, the emperor a person of color, we haven't necessarily addressed the racism in that, in the structure of the cards or in the structure of society. So I'm curious if there are things that you sort of think about or have thought about as you went on this journey that that you might sort of think need more of a, a structural change or something else to kind of address some of those ideas. Yeah. Um, I have, I am very um fine with the structure as is. It's the interpretation of different archetypes that I think can um, can evolve a little. You know, I think that we can involve a more diverse array of people, not just, you know, racially, but, you know, by ability or whatever, um, to sort of re-perceive perceive what these cards mean in our modern world and what their relationships are with each other. I do think that um, structurally, I think one thing that is limiting um, in some people's perception of tarot is this idea of we start at one place and we end at one place. Um, you know, it's from A to B when like really, for example, you can put the fool anywhere you want in the major arcana or wherever you want in the deck because that theme can be applied really anywhere um, but it makes sense to be at the beginning or the end of the major arcana because that's, you know, you're either taking a giant leap there or a giant leap at the end. Um, but yeah, thinking that one thing that I like to do is if I get like a reversal for, let's say temperance, thinking about like, not just, hmm, what is this situation telling me? What is this card telling me right now? But like stepping back to the lessons of the devil, or excuse me, of death, um, and going back to that and understanding, like, what's that relationship like, rather than just, like, thinking, oh, okay, I'm at 
temperance. I need to get to the devil, you know, and it's, it's difficult to have a structure that doesn't have a beginning or an end, but I think our interpretations can be a little bit more flexible to understand the context in which this card falls in. And that's something that I think we could use a lot of cultural development around um, because these structures are based, you know, off of, you know, an initial set of, you know, small, a small, like, group of people and it's grown all over the world and we just can't say that tarot has to be the same for everyone but within the structure of tarot what does it mean in these different contexts um and i think that's something people are starting to ask a lot more these days mm. yeah i think the the idea of um progress you know and, and it was an idea that was uh, appealing to me at one point, right? You know, I mean, certainly I was like, yeah, you know, and as being involved in Western ceremonial initiatory traditions and so on, you know, there's all this idea of like moving forward towards something, right? I don't think right. that I ever, ever sort of thought that I would be enlightened, but it was always moving towards something, right? Something better, something whatever. And, and I think, yeah, that idea is really, really uh, a unhelpful, to the process, right? I think a lot of the time that, that the idea of sort of always looking where we're going, it's very capitalist, it's very, you know, those kinds of ideas. Um, but it also, it also, to me, often, I see it in conversations, uh, rippling back to creating hierarchies that don't necessarily exist, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that there's, can be a different big difference around the ways in which people you know if somebody is um leading a ceremony doesn't necessarily mean there's a hierarchy there doesn't yeah. have to right and yeah. in our own lives right this idea that we're going to journey through the tarot and what go on the fool's journey you know or sorry the the hero's journey or the fool's journey or you know any of these different things and i think that a lot of those ideas linger back to to ideas that that aren't really great, you know, that they're rooted mm -hmm. in, you know, sort of uh, colonialism, you know, like I know Joseph Campbell's still in favor, but I think that, you know, a lot of their stuff is super questionable. And I think that we need to maybe, yeah, deconstruct of that and be like, well, what if, what if tomorrow I am the emperor? And then next week I'm called on to be the fool or, you know, whatever, what does that mean? And what if we, yeah, as you say, just sort of have a, a non, a non-linear or non-hierarchical approach to these things. Like we're not moving towards a thing. We're just living our lives. And I think, yeah, I think that's where I've come to around a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking this week um, about like what would a world without quote unquote leaders look like um, and sort of thinking about how that relates to my relationship with the tarot. And I don't have any answers yet, but I do think that, you know, as we question the structures in our society, it's worth, for, it's worth it for us to continuously question the structures that are within the tarot um, because 
things change, things evolve, and maybe things aren't just applicable for the world we live in today. Um, so I think the more we can see tarot as a tool that evolves and is not does not have to be rooted in this sort of like Western colonial perspective of, you know, kings and queens and, you know, peasants or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but, or the, you know, the giver and the receiver, you know, there has to, there's more to that. There's more than just the line from A to B. And that's something we have to continuously question. I think tarot is an analog for life. And as, you know, our lives change, we should, you know, reflect upon our relationship with the tarot. And I I think that within the tarot, all the themes of life are, you know, within. And so I don't think that it's a stretch to, um, to sort of commit to sort of re- analyzing and reanalyzing what that means. Um, and how do we perceive that? Do we see it as, you know, a line, the major kind of like a line, three lines, or do we look at it from a grid perspective? Like there are so many different ways that we can look at one thing. And I think that the more we try to evolve Tara into a tool that can, you know, evolve alongside with us and alongside our society or whatever society we're in, um, I think that's a good thing. Um, because I know that there are plenty of outdated texts out there that, you know, people really um, live their lives by. And I would hate for tarot to be a tool that, you know, seems like a relic of, you know, our time period in like 200, 300 years. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, and I think it'll be inevitable that there will be some things that are and some things that aren't right. That's right. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's always, um, I think only time will tell, right? Right. What, yeah. You know, we can we can have our ideas about it, but you know, I think that's I think that it's important to to engage, to think, to do all the stuff we're talking about and you're talking about in your work, and and also to understand that like life will change, right? And mm-hmm. you know what the you know I think about you know I could think about my my ideas about racism, you know, and like. I was a punk rocker in the, you know, eighties and nineties and, you know, racism was in in the foreground of a lot of conversations in my life and in the music and so on. And I go back and I listen to some of those songs or I think about some of the ideas and I'm like, they, they were, they were just, just a bit of the conversation, even though they seemed like everything at the time, you know? And I think that allowing for, uh, our our knowledge, our experience, the collective conversation to grow. You know, I mean, there are so many, I think, uh, important developments that have given us new language to talk about things and new yeah. new ways to understand that. That I think, yeah, we'll we'll see, right? What's what's relevant and what you know and what is what is not over time, right? But I don't think that's the point, right? I think, at least right. for me, the point is to be engaged and to be paying attention. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious also if I can segue onto something else, right? Sure. Um, because you also, you also provide um, ASL readings, right? I do. Yes. So tell me about that because I think that accessibility is an important part of, or an adjunct to the conversations we're having today. And so I'm curious, 
um, if you care to share, how did that come about? You know, what, where did that come from for you? Yeah. Yeah. So my parents are deaf. And so I have been signing as long as I've been talking Uh and, um, one day it just like came to me and I was like, I'd love to do a tarot reading for my mom. And then I was like, I have this whole language um, and insight into a, a culture, the deaf culture that is unique and can be an offering unto the world. And so I started offering ASL readings earlier this year and I'm on a mission to try to like elevate deaf tarot readers um, as much as possible and trying mm-hmm. to like get into that space and sort of be a, an advocate for the deaf community in spiritualism or tarot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been so rewarding because I feel, um, personally, I feel very comfortable around mm-hmm. other deaf people because that, you know, that was who I was with growing up outside of school. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the community I was in. And so um, offering these readings has been a way for me to reconnect into that world, even though I'm like thousands of miles away from my parents and um, all of their friends and family. Um, Yeah, it's been very rewarding. And I think there's so much space for, um, for more accessible, um, for more accessibility in in tarot and other, I guess I hate the word. I think we use spiritual so often that it becomes grating to my ear. But in the quote unquote spiritual world um, out here on earth, like I think we we've barely you know crossed you know some some sort of like threshold where we're becoming more inclusive. Sure, we've got decks that have a different array of people on them people you know of different colors or abilities or um sexualities whatever and that's great but it's not just the depictions that matter it's the true involvement that matters and i hope to be a bridge between you know you know the speaking or hearing world and the deaf community in whatever way that I can be. Um, And a lot of that is just elevating the deaf people who are already out here doing amazing work, um, amazing and inspiring work. And then part of that is, you know, offering what I can um, to people who are drawn to me. If people are drawn to my work or the things I say, and they want a tarot reading from me, great. Um, I know that some people have wanted tarot readings. Some deaf people have wanted tarot readings from speaking readers and have been like, well, drats, they don't have like um, captions on their video device or whatever. Um, And so accessibility is really at the forefront of um, really a lot of my work. And I think that even though my focus is just on tarot, I think the focus of on accessibility can ripple beyond, you know, just tarot. Um, And Mm. so yeah, that's, that's a big focus for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. You know, I, I've been, I forget exactly when I started doing transcriptions on the podcast, you know, but like, it's been going on for, for a bunch of years now. And it's like, you know, it's, I think it's, I think there are so many things that are, that are relevant to that conversation. Right. And I think right. like, and I think that 
you you said something that I maybe want to highlight more for people listening, if this is a new idea to you, is I think that, you know, understanding that there is a deaf culture, right? And there is like, there's, there's a, there's also a difference in expression, at least from my understanding between signing versus just transcribing what speaking people do. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, there are different cultural differences and that those things are not problematic. They're not needing fixing. They're just, they're their own culture, right? In the same way that there is, you know, uh, around different uh, cultural backgrounds and so on. There are all these different uh, cultures that I think that we we need to consider engaging them on their own terms, you know, as opposed to thinking that we yeah. know better or this or that or whatever. I have no idea, right? And And the things that I do know about it, I know from my relationships to deaf people, right? And I think that, yeah, this idea that that there a there are definitely a lot of simple things that we can do now it's gotten so much easier right like just turn on auto captioning at least for your instagram right if you're making videos and instagram will do it you know you don't know like uh you know folks now i'm like oh it's so simple like years ago it was like you know you have to send it out to get transcribed if you want subtitles there's a whole file format and you've got to like have the technical know-how to slam them together and get them to line up and, you know, and so on. Right. And work that I have been happy to do and I'm happy to do whenever I can, but there are so many simple things, right. Or things like, um, you know, when you're putting in your hashtags, right. Instead of uh, defaulting to a hashtag, that's all lowercase capitalize each word so that folks who need a reader to assist them to interpret, to hear, um, it'll read the words properly because it can parse those caps. But in the absence of caps, it doesn't, it can't parse it properly. So then people don't know what you're saying, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, I love, I love what you said about interacting with different cultures on their own terms. Um, I think so often, I, for example, may think I know what's right for somebody else because I can be like well if I were them I would blah 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 but like I'm not and so one thing that I'm really leaning into these days is just taking taking the word from different uh, people with from different backgrounds and just taking it as it is there's no need to fix it there's no need to argue it Um, one thing that I've been trying to do more is um adding image descriptions to my Instagram captions because I thought, oh, I'll just add alt text and that'll be fine. But apparently that's not, it's not as effective. And so I thought, well, it's more convenient for me to do the alt text, but like, that's not my decision to make really. If, if this is the accessible route and I can do it, then why not? And I think that doesn't just come from learning about these different cultures or people from different backgrounds, but it comes from interacting with them and involving them. It's not enough to just represent them. It's, it's about really integrating their perspectives um, into our world and, you know, the world that we all share. Um, And I think the more that we can like fuzz these like sort of, strict delineations between different um, cultures. Um, 
I think the more space and more flexibility and the more empathy we have to sort of work together to create shared um, collective understandings of things such as like the tarot, for example. Um, yeah, so I, you know, inclusion's like a very hot buzzword these days, but I really mean it. I really mean it when I say that, you know, the tarot community at least has to be more inclusive and it has to be less about this is the way that it's always been done and more about what does this mean for this person and what does this mean for this circumstance? Um, and so, yeah, when I say I am trying to be more inclusive, I, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I think it's fantastic. And I think we should all work on that. You know, I feel like we should all work on that. And I think that there's so many different ways on this, you know, and you can go and research and people should go and research and look up different ideas about it and stuff, you know, but for me, I think that the simplest place it starts with is like trying to just engage people with some curiosity and trying to, and and assuming that, um, that the person probably knows what they need right like just taking it at face value you know and it's like I did I've been doing peer counseling stuff for I don't know forever now really long time um people are interested there's a whole uh free peer counseling course that I did at the start of COVID that you can go check out which will introduce you to some of the ideas um and one of the things that that comes from that is the the idea that it's not my job to tell the person what the solution is but it's my it's but it's my job to lit, listen and witness and to help them figure out what the solution is for themselves and i think extending that to sort of when we're engaging with different people and be like you know well what do you what do you need what is what is the solution for you what do you see as the thing and then and then going from there and not to say that that means that i can always do it or it's always possible or you know whatever but but to work that way and i think that you know i think it's important in dealing with kids right you know i think so many people don't approach kids with the idea that the kids know what they actually need right i'm like why would i know better just because i'm older like i don't understand a lot of things about stuff my kids are into but i can engage and listen and, and help them figure out what they need and things shift for them and it really a lot of it comes from them you know and sometimes i'm shaping them and sometimes i'm nudging them and sometimes there's obviously like harder rules because safety you know but i think that i think that approaching stuff in that way and you know and approaching and giving people a say conversation the curiosity you know and, and just engaging in those ways to me that's that's where it all starts from you know and yeah, and I think you can really kind of go in great directions from there. Couldn't have said it better myself. I really love that analogy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, so tell me, number one, what's, what do you, what do you, what's coming up for you? And number two, where can people find you? Yeah. So, coming up for me, I am starting to teach again. I do have one class that's sold out, but I am starting to open myself up to teaching opportunities um, throughout the year. The course that I'm teaching um, or the class that I'm teaching is Tarot for Social Justice. And I plan to um, do that training or 
class, whatever you want to call it, experience, um, at least twice later on this year. I'm also working on a couple of zines, a couple of like everyday witch spell type zines, um, because I have so many notes and musings and I don't know where to put them. So I'm just going to throw them out there in a zine. Um, and yeah, and also just trying to figure out what's next for anti-racism with the tarot. Um, and yeah, you can always um, reach out to me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at tinyparsnip, that's one word. Um, and you can also find me on my website, um, mariamenis.com, where you can find the anti-racism with the blog, um, with the tarot blog series, excuse me. Um, and also you can look at my other offerings such as um, tarot readings or tarot poems, etc. So yeah, reach out to me on any, um, anyone can reach out to me on any platform and I'd be happy to engage with them. Nice. Well, thank you so much for making the time to chat with me today. I, I really enjoyed our conversation and I really hope people are going to uh, dig in and look at this and I want to make an effort in the show notes to uh, point to some more resources, um, including stuff around uh, deaf culture, deaf readers, and, you know, some of the stuff that, that you're up to and so on, because I think there's a lot of great inroads that people can uh, start to get on this road and think about things that will ultimately, I think of it as expand our capacity to have genuine, authentic, honest, caring relationships with other people. For me, that's really what it's ultimately about, you know? I agree. So, yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, my friends, that is episode 120 all finished and wrapped up. There'll be one more uh, coming out next week uh, with my elder, Willie Ramos. Uh, we'll be talking about Orisha traditions and all sorts of fun stuff there. So please do uh, come back and check it out. Do me a solid and make sure you share this. Make sure you spread the word. And if it's within your means and you are interested in accessibility and helping that happen for other people as I am, I really appreciate people supporting. Again, the links are in the show notes. So go check them out and uh, pitch in. As they say, every dollar helps, folks. All right. <laughs>